I love it. Isn't that great? Thank you, guys, so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's taking us to a good place. How many know you got to go to a good place in here and in here? You can go to a lot of bad places, so you got to go to a good place. And you guys helped take us there. We appreciate it. Okay, so we're we're doing the book of Exodus. And uh, I want to dive in and read some of it. And uh, I want you to think about this is a story, not just of something that happened a long time ago, but this is your story. This is my story. Leaving the bondage, the captivity, and moving into freedom. Not just freedom for freedom's sake, but this rich life. Jesus called it the abundant life, the milk and honey. And um, it's not freedom just so that you do whatever you want, but it's it's, it's rich, I call it rich responsibility, a calling. We're in the place that God wants you to be. Jesus says the abundant life has something to do with not a, not a place physically. There's too many people chasing a physical place. Like their promised land is, I'm just trying to make it, you know, to this neighborhood, or I'm just trying to make it to uh, the corner office. I'm just trying to, but it's, it's an inner place. I mean, you know, a lot of people make it to the corner office, but they never get any change in here. And that, you know what I'm talking about? The journey of Exodus is inward. So what you're trying to get to, don't, don't make the mistake of following everyone else around you that's it's that your goal and your destination in life is to get at a certain place, a financial place, or, or you know, some kind of, uh, um, you're going to arrive in, in this uh, office, or the, you're going to be known, or you're going to be famous. There has to be something deeper in your life. And I think when Jesus talked about the abundant life, or when we talk about the promised land, it's an internal journey, and that's a key distinction because I can't believe, like, in our society, people are still chasing that stuff. You know, at some point, you would think would, there would be a massive wake-up when people would realize that's not getting it, you know? Nothing wrong. You got to pay the bills. Everybody say, pay the bills. <laughs> and how many know a few, few of us could cut a few bills back? If you keep making more bills, you're going to be chasing the bills that you have no matter what. Well, that's another sermon. That's a whole other series. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I got to pay the bills. Yeah, you got too many. You can't chase what God has. But so this is an internal thing. It's internal. Way more than it's external. Um, Paul said it like this. In Galatians 4, 19, he says, until Christ is formed in you. Until I can see Christ in you. I'm, I'm late. He's like a father. Like, I'm just trying and everything. Paul was like a father to these churches. And he says, all of my labor is until Christ is formed in you. He wanted for them what he wanted for himself. And he wrote in Philippians 3, he says, forgetting what is behind, I press towards that which God has called me and saved me for. What is that? That's becoming like Christ. That's entering into his abundant life. So let's not confuse the promised land with something that's external. 
And let's determine that we're going to make the journey. That's why I call this series An Amazing Life, The Adventure, The Adventure to an Amazing Life. It's an adventure getting there. You got to be up for the adventure. There's going to be twists. There's going to be turns. There's going to be ups and downs. We're going to follow it through the book of Exodus. Yesterday, sitting there doing my work, trying to tie up the message for today, try to bring you some good, and there's a screeching in the next room, screeching, (laughs) screeching. Ah, no, I I mean, I didn't know if if she, like, fell down the stairs. I mean, it was a major problem. I put everything down. You know, your heart starts to go for a minute. I go, ah, I ran in the room. Babe, what's wrong? What's wrong? But I don't look like Elsa. That's, that's what got my heart racing. And I don't look like Elsa. Mom put the wrong thing in her hair. We're watching Elsa movies, and she wants to look like Elsa. So she gets her Elsa dress on from Halloween, which kids that age pretty much wear their Halloween costumes year-round. And mom put a flower, like this dorky flower in her hair. Mom, hello. Elsa wears a tiara. All right. And it was not acceptable. It was a major deal that she doesn't look like Elsa. And that's what I got thinking. I go, you know, that's the thing. Until Christ is formed in you, it needs to be a major deal to us as followers that we don't look like him yet. That needs to be a problem for us until Christ is formed into me. That's the goal. The goal is not to arrive at some neighborhood. The goal is to, for Christ to fully arrive here until Christ, Paul said, is more and more at home in your hearts. So let's, as we start the journey, let's know what the destination really is until Christ is formed in you. Make it a problem. Now, let's read Exodus 1. So there is... Uh, the family of Abraham, they make it. Jacob, his family, Joseph, they all, they're, in, they're in Egypt, and they start um, growing. Their numbers start growing. And there was a new pharaoh who didn't know Joseph, and now there's a problem because you have all of this growth, all of Joseph's family is multiplying, it says, greatly. And they became exceedingly numerous, so that the land was filled with them. And the Pharaoh who didn't know them said this. He goes, "Um, we must deal shrewdly with them or they're going to be even more numerous. They're going to keep multiplying. And if war breaks out, they'll join our enemies and they're going to fight against us. So here's what they did. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built store cities for Pharaoh, but they were... The more they were oppressed, verse 12, the more they multiplied. So Pharaoh tried to stomp them out. The more he oppressed them, the more they multiplied. The more he oppressed them, the more they multiplied. This this little verse right here is an early setup to what the whole Exodus is about. Pharaoh tried to oppress them, and the more he oppressed them, the more that they multiplied. Anybody ever try to get rid of some weeds in your garden? 
You know, like sometimes it seems like the more that I try, the worse it gets. Maybe I should just leave them alone. So they're trying and they're trying, and it's not working. The, the thing that maybe Pharaoh needed to do here was to ask himself a question. Why? But Pharaoh's stubborn, and so he doubles down. Anybody ever double down and you were wrong? Hmm? You got an old junky car, and you're like, do I get rid of it? Do I just sell it? Should I just sell it? This thing's going bad. Should I just sell it? Does anybody have these problems that I have? Like I wrestled with them for ages. This is what I spend most of my time thinking about. Should I sell it now? And then I go, but if I put money into it, it could be better. And then, I anybody? anybody ever, anyone ever double down on a junky car? And you put $2,500 into it, and then you had to sell it the next week anyway? Pharaoh is God, he's got to make a decision here, and he doubles down. He goes, no, let's oppress them even more, and let's, let's force them. I'm making a new edict. He goes to the midwives, and he says, if there's, a, if there's a male baby, you throw him into the Nile. He doubles down. What was the lesson? What was the lesson he was supposed to get? I think the lesson was that you're fighting against God here. You're... It doesn't matter how much more you keep doubling down. You're, you're on the wrong side. Yesterday, I made a, uh, had a brilliant idea. Well, it was brilliant for a minute. And it was like, it was one of those nice winter days. It seemed like at least in our house, it was like kind of like soft, little bit of tiny snow. And I thought we had, we had a relatively relaxed day. We haven't had one in a long time. And I thought, I'm going to make a little winter fire in the backyard. So I, I got this little little fire pit, and I put it real close to the porch, and I was going to make it nice so Charlie could play a little bit, and Mom could come out and have a coffee, and so I put it right next to the porch. Here's the porch. I put it right here, and uh, I didn't burn the house. I'm just relaxed. So you don't, <laughs> you don't know where my story's going. So I will tell the story, all right? Y'all listen. Put it right here, far enough away that nothing caught on fire. Thank you. Can I just tell my own stories? I mean, for once, it was far enough away. And I was all excited. I put coffee on. I was going to make a really nice fire. And Vicky and I were going to be able to just talk and then watch the falling snow and our daughter running around in the backyard. And uh, so I put it on. And uh, I got it going pretty good, you know. And uh, one thing I didn't think about, because I pushed it away so I didn't burn anything, I push it just far enough away, it's where the roof line hangs out. And the roof line's full of snow. And the more heat you get, the more the snow likes to melt. And so the water started going down on my fire. Oh, not to be deterred. I will overpower. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I will overpower this with more fire. Charlie goes, what are you doing, Dad? I said, I'm making fire. And I just kept getting more paper and more sticks and more paper. And the more fire I got, the more it melted and put the fire out. How many know I'm a little bit stubborn? So I just, that's it. More wood. I went and got more and more and more. And there was so much smoke. It was just coming out. It was like everybody was trying to have this nice, relaxing, romantic thing. There's smoke and there's ashes going in our coffee. And 
How many know sometimes you need to give up and move? You need to give up and move. What did I need to do? We, we woke up this morning and Charlie goes, Dad, the fire went out. I go, I, I know. You, you're fighting a losing battle here. This, this is not, you're going against God. Pharaoh's stubborn, so he just keeps doubling down. But here's the, sometimes we do the same thing, don't we? You, you're doing something, and you thought it was a good idea, and you went after it, and you had your reasons. These are really bad reasons, but who's ever had bad reasons for doing something? Looking back. And the more, the more he oppressed them, the more they multiplied. The more fire I made, the more it rained on my fire. It reminds me of a story in, in Acts. Um, the early church, they would meet, they met up in the temple in an area they called Solomon's Colony. There's these huge columns that was right by the temple. And they met there and they would teach and they would heal. And then all these people started following. And the, the chief priest didn't like it because it was like, it was like bad for business. It, it'd be like if you set up a little hamburger stand in the McDonald's parking lot. You know what I'm saying? Solomon's Colony is like too close. And probably the manager is going to come say something to you. Are you with me? So the, so, so the, the chief priest says, uh, no, this, this probably isn't going to work. And then they, they eventually they, they said, well, hey, we have to speak for God. We, we can't obey you. We got to do what God tells us to do. And so they lock him up. But the problem was when they locked him up, this angel comes and just lets him out. And instead of like you and me, like if we were in jail praying, you got locked up, please, God, please, God, send an angel. There's an angel. The door opened. What would you do? Go back to where you're going to get arrested or go home? Go home. That's what I would do. Chicken little, right? They go right back to where they were and start doing their thing again, right? Right back in the parking lot, Solomon's Colony. Start teaching and healing and doing it. Finally, they get upset and they said, we have to deal with these guys. And they get their chief council together, the Sanhedrin, they call them, 70 the rulers, and the chief priests, and they say, we need to stomp this out. We need to deal with it. And uh, they, they get everyone together. They call these guys in. They're going to figure out how they're going to deal with them. And it says there, uh, they, they heard these guys saying, we have to do what God tells us to do. I know this is what you're saying, but we have to do what God tells us to do. And they're like, we need to stomp these guys out. We'll kill them. Now, listen to this. A Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by the people, he stood up. So one of the council members stood up. Now, listen to this. And ordered, he says... Put the men out for a little while. He says, basically, can you guys give us a minute? Peter, James, the apostles, all these guys, like, they're on trial, but why don't you guys go in the hallway? Let me talk to everyone here. I got this council of 70. The guys who own the franchise. Uh, can, we, can we chat a little bit? And he was respected. And he addressed them, and he said, men of Israel, consider this, what you intend to do to these men. They were going to kill them. 
Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared claiming to be somebody, and 400 men rallied to him. He was later killed, all of his followers dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas, a Galilean, appeared around the census time and led a band of people in a revolt. He too was killed, and his followers scattered. Therefore, in this present case, I advise you. This is a good line. This is a good line. In this present case, I advise you. Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will, what? Fail. If this is something some guy made up in his head and concocted, it's going gonna, it's gonna to die. But, but, if it is from God, you will not be able to stop it. You will only find yourself fighting against God. What a deep, what a deep thought. First, if this is a human thing, some, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall apart. But if it's God, you're going you're gonna to kill yourself trying to stop it. It doesn't matter how much paper I kept adding to that fire. All I was doing was making smoke and misery because I was fighting against something too big. We need to ask ourselves different questions. When things aren't going well, sometimes you have to ask this question. Am I doubling down against God? Oh, by the way, these people all had God credentials. They were the temple. They were, they were sanctioned by God, chief priest. He had all the garments of God, right? He had all the God exterior stuff, but he was willing to say, perhaps we're not on the right side here. Perhaps we're doing this wrong. The humility to say, maybe I'm on the wrong side here. What, what do you do when things aren't going right? Do you just shove your head down and get stubborn and say, I already made my claim, I already made my decision, so I'm just going to plow ahead? Anybody ever done that? And sometimes a bad decision turns into a week's bad decision, which turns into a year, which turns into half of your life. Just stop being stubborn and burying your head like Pharaoh. And just wake up. God, can you imagine the whole story of Exodus would have been different if at the very beginning, the first chapter, he just woke up and said, whoa, this obviously is not working. God wants to bless this. God wants to bless these people. It's hard to admit when you're wrong, isn't it? We all have a little bit of the fawns in us. You have to be about 50 to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it can't, is there any amens up here? Is anybody near my age group? Okay, the younger ones, ask your dad. Uh, ask your dad. Hey. <laughs> hey. Couldn't do it, could he? Could say, I'm, I'm wrong. That's a problem. And people do it in financial ways. They do it in spiritual ways. They do it all kinds of ways. They start down a path. It's not going right. The resistance is there. God's not in it. And they just keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting. Some of you are like you're fighting for a job. And maybe God doesn't want you to have that job. You know? And you just keep... Rah, rah, rah. And you know, sometimes you don't get treated right. Things don't go well. And you keep fighting and fighting. And sometimes you just take a step back and go, maybe God doesn't want this. The other thing is sometimes we're trying to get involved in stuff we don't need to get involved in. 
You know what this wise person, Gamaliel, said? He says, leave these guys alone. Just leave them alone. Leave them alone. How many have ever seen something you just feel like, I got to get involved. I just got to say something. I got to stop it. This isn't right. I got to get involved. And you get involved, but you, you're, you find yourself fighting against God. And this guy was just brilliant. He said, just, just let it go. Just, just see what happens. If God's behind it, it's going to flourish, and nothing we do is going to stop it. Probably one of the best things that we can do in life sometimes is just to not get involved. Let's let God figure it out. Let's let God settle some of this. If God's behind it, who am I to fight it? Think about in your life. Here's, the, here's I think, the biggest challenge. Ready? We don't ask ourselves which side we should be on. We assume we're on God's side. Or we assume God's on our side. And, you know, I think God is, of course, generally, in general, he is for you. We've said that a million times, that God is for us. But the question is if. In other words, sometimes a, a, a thing that you're undertaking, it just doesn't have the backing of God. It's just not. It's just, no, it's dead in the water. It's never going to go. This whole story of Exodus could have been a completely different story if Pharaoh wasn't so stubborn. Right at the beginning, God gave him a warning. He's like, nope, I'm going to bless these people. They're just going to keep coming. They're going to keep coming. He said, ah, I'll double down. And he decides he's going to have the boys thrown into the Nile until one boy was born. His name was Moses. Chapter 2. A man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. It's interesting that none of them are named. We could talk about it later. It's this man and the woman and the son. When she saw he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Later on in Hebrews, it talks about the faith of the parents. For three months, they hide this baby. There's a baby crying right over there. Could you imagine? Well, could you imagine? Like, you ever try to keep your baby quiet in church? What are you going to do? Spank him? I mean, what are you going to do? Get louder? Imagine, can you imagine the nerves? Can you imagine how frazzled they were? But they saw something in this child. Says they saw that he was fine. Now, there's an argument on what that word means, but there's something they saw. You ever have a, like a God thing? It's like, no, 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 no. We gotta save this baby. And they, and they hide the baby for three months, but they, they, they got to the point they couldn't do it anymore. Some people would say, you know, at three months, maybe there was something about that time period where they just couldn't do it anymore, but they, they, they decide they, they can't hide him anymore, and they get a little basket. They make a basket, and they coat it with tar and pitch. I think God's just getting that little cooing baby over there so we all can feel it. <laughs> can you imagine how tense you'd be? And they put, they place this child in this little, by the way, it's called an ark, not accidentally. 
Another huge saving story comes through an ark, through the water. They put the baby, could you imagine? Three months. How many know we owe something to our moms? Huh? I mean, this is a Mother's Day message right here. Thank you, Mom. Huh? All that they do. And then what the moms always end up doing is then they always end up floating us out there. They do. They got to float them out there. And it says... She could hide him no longer. She makes this basket. She puts the child in it, places him among the reeds of the Nile. His sister, I don't know if the his is, is the baby sister or the man. I, I, I kind of think it's the aunt. I think what happened is when the, mom, when the mom brought the baby, I think she couldn't watch. That's what I think. I couldn't watch. I mean, it's notorious. People know there's crocodiles. and Can you just imagine? To hear him just screaming for you, just crying out for you. Can't stand it when Charlie cries like that, when she's just hurting for me. That's why I just leave, let her cry to mom. No, I, I get <laughs> just She couldn't do it. She just pushed, pushed the baby out. She couldn't watch. The aunt stood back and just watched. What's going to happen to that baby? What's going to happen? A little breeze came up. Baby started drifting out into the middle. Nervously, the aunt followed the baby down, made its way over to another set of reeds on the other side. She could barely see, crossed. Elegantly dressed woman makes her way down to bathe. Oh, that, she's not dressed like normal people. That's, that's the Pharaoh's daughter. Finds that baby. What are the odds? What are the odds? Huh? What are the odds that the baby is not just stuck there and just dies of exposure? What are the odds that the crocodiles don't get it? What are the odds it doesn't flip over and drown? What are the odds that she ends up in the lap of Pharaoh's daughter? What are the odds that Pharaoh's daughter decides to keep her? Him. But what we've been saying today all day is this. If God's behind something, it's going to work. If God's behind something, it's going to work. Don't worry about the odds. God's behind it. How? Well, all kinds of little miracles and coincidences. You ever have some like, crazy coincidences in your life? And you're like, man, no, no, that smells like God to me. You, you, you can't stop. The plan, the purpose, the progress of God, you can't. She floats the baby out there. <laughs> and then Pharaoh's daughter went down. She saw it. She sends one of the servants to go get it. The servant opened it up and saw the baby crying. And she felt sorry for him. She said, this is one of the Hebrew babies, probably from like across the river. Girl is watching. She makes her way across the river. She sees the whole thing happen. They save the baby. Humbly, she approaches and she says, um, 
I saw that you kept the baby. Do you want me to get one of the Hebrew women to, to, to nurse it for you? She said, yeah, that'd be good. And I'll pay you for it. Somebody say, only God. She takes the baby, brings the baby back to the mom. How many know every time you give something to God, God gives it back to you? Huh? With a Visa card. How many know this is a better deal now? Are you with me? Who's bankrolling this? this uh, how, first of all, how many know kids are expensive? Way too expensive. Pharaoh's bankrolling this one. Here comes the baby, the basket, and a Visa card. Unlimited. Could you take care of this baby? I'll pay for it. Now, some of the details are not clear. I mean, I don't know. Did they go back and forth? Did the, did the, did the mom go stay in a little guest house in their fair? Well, we don't know. But, but she brought this baby up. And then at some point later in life, maybe three or four, some people think it's 13, she has to give her baby up again. How many moms know, like, it's hard enough to give your baby up once? She had to give it twice. Hebrews talks about the faith of this woman. But once you trust God, then you know, right? Just as she trusted God when she let that baby in the river, she had to do it again. She had a sense that God's got his hand on this child. This is something special. And she gives that baby up again. All of us, you know, we have our babies, right? Something you gave birth, it could be your, your, literally your child, could be your, your special project. It could be, you know, your business that you built. It could be whatever. But, boy, it's tough to float that thing out there, isn't it? Give it to God. Say, here, God, I give it to you. I, I, I can't bounce it on my knee anymore. I can't control this anymore. I, I gotta, once, once you let go of that baby, she's completely out of control, right? That's called faith. Faith is when you can't control, but you can trust. And that's what she was praised for. Think about this as we close here today. Um, whatever you give birth to, you know, matters to you very much. But it also matters to God. Just don't forget that. It also matters to God. All I think God's asking us to do is just float it out there. Put it in his hands. The whole concept is stop fighting so much and start trusting more. If God's behind it, no one's going to stop it. And if God's not behind it, it doesn't matter what you do, it's not going to succeed. There's something we can all take home today. Hmm? Give it to God. Whatever it is, just give it to God. So we close today. We're going to close with a prayer. Wherever you are in your seat, just give it to God. Just float it out there. I can't make this succeed. I can't make this job succeed. I can't make this relationship. I can't make this thing. I have to trust you. I float it to you, God. You take it where it needs to go. 
take it where it needs to go. And what I believe is that God will guide the currents and bring that baby to exactly the right place at exactly the right time. That's the God that I know. Will you stand? We'll have a closing prayer together. God, we just pray, first of all, you'll give us the courage. We need to stop pushing and probing because you're not behind it. You're not in it. You're not for it. Give us the courage to let go of some stuff that we've been pushing too hard for. Just to wake up and realize that you're not pushing for it. God, give us the courage to take the things that are dear to us that we worry about, care so much about, just float them on the river. Trust, trust you to guide. Knowing that you'll bring back the best. You'll bring it back to us in good time. In Christ's name. I'm going to sing a song. You're going to do a song for us? We're going to do a song together. And then we're going to dismiss you. Join in.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. His face smile upon you, give you peace. May give you the grace to trust him. To put your baby on the water. Knowing that if God is for us, who could be against us? In his name, amen.